From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. The Fortune 500 is the iconic list of large companies in this country. When you've made the Fortune 500, you know you've made the big time. It's a measure of prestige. It says they're big enough to play with the big boys. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Frost. With me, as always, Tony Peretti. If you don't know by now, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and as always, you can find us on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter, at FrostyPod. Tony, we have an Enron Toilet Bowl champion, and our Capital Bowl is set. This is the final week of the season, Tony. And the stakes don't get any higher than this. What a week. It's exciting times for everybody out there, except for Tyler Kerr. He unfortunately uh, succumbed to the toilet bowl this year. It finally got him. He's been in the crosshairs for a couple years. He's been keeping it at bay, uh, barely, barely by the skin of his teeth, getting out of it. And uh, this year, it finally all came crashing down on him. We have our ACT test taker. It will be Tyler Kerr. Uh, we need to get a date together here, but I, I think he's going to have a couple months here to study up for it. Um, I hear he's targeting a 32, Derek. Uh, wouldn't that be something if he could pull that off? I can't imagine there's anybody in the history of the ACT who has bettered their score 10 years after take, after graduating high school. If Tyler Kerr does that, it will be unprecedented. And uh, with that being said, there's no way in the hell he's going to do it. I would imagine if I'm Tyler Kerr, I'm really happy with a 23. I think that's a realistic expectation for where Ty can be. 23, uh, you're going to have, I expect he'll do well in the reading section. I expect he will do okay in the English section, potentially the math section. Uh, Science is going to crush him. Yeah, science is tough. I mean, how many of us are sitting around doing science stuff these days, especially people like uh, like Ty, who's in the finance world with me? I mean, we never touch any science subject, uh, barely touched any since college. So it's going to be a tough one, especially given the, the circumstances around it, you know, going to be hungover, uh, mightily hungover. I'm sure the shots are going to be flowing the night before, and then you're going to have to do it in a, a busy, uh, loud bar setting where it's going to be distractions everywhere not only the people in your league uh, that are going to be uh, refueling the tank at the bar again but it's good everybody around you is gonna is gonna know that you're taking an exam there uh, when everyone else is so it's gonna be a tough environment I think even if he can pull off a 23 I'd be impressed with that yeah and I mean Ty's a smart dude so I I think potentially a 23 like I think that would be impressive I don't know if he's going to get that high because you got to remember too, like you said, Tony, all those distractions back in high school, that was a relatively distraction free room. It was quiet in the classroom. You felt comfortable there. Was, you know, that controlled environment, but that bar is going to be rowdy. The drinks are going to be flowing. We're looking at March madness time. So there's going to be a lot of distraction. People are going to be cheering, booing. It's going to be a great time. I can't wait to be there and then report it back out on the podcast that will be a stop on our Frosty Live tour. 
yeah, this is exciting times. Just, just to renew the history lesson for everybody out there. This is our third year of having the ACT punishment as part of the league. And we still have yet to see anybody take it because uh, the other two uh, champions of our toilet bowl have left the league instead of, instead of taking the exam. So I think all of us are excited to finally see this punishment enacted. Uh, you know, Ty came in, in the, in the preseason talking about how soft it was for everybody else to, um, end up in that spot and then not end up taking it. Well, he finds himself in the spot now. So, uh, I'm excited for Tyler to finally be the first one to do it. Um, it, it sucks that he's been around it for, for this long and it finally got him. But, uh, I, I think he's got plenty of time to prepare for it now. And, uh, I think it's going to be a good way to wrap up this season here. Tony, so, do you think there's any way he doesn't take the test? I do not. I do not. I think Ty is a man of his word. I think he comes in, um, you know, he, he was pretty salty about other people not taking it out, taking it in years past and bowing out of it. I can't see him talking that much trash to them and then not doing it on his own. Um, and and I, I think he wants to continue being part of this league. You know, he, he likes the banter here. He likes the camaraderie of all of us. And I think, I think he really, really wants to bounce back from this poor showing this year and uh, come back on the comeback trail next year. Um, might take a couple more kickers, uh, maybe a few more tight ends, but uh, uh, I, I think next year's going to be his redemption tour. So got to get a test out of the way and then we'll see what happens for him. All right, Tony, let's get into it then. Opening bell presented by Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Incorporated. And we're going to start in that Enron Toilet Bowl where we saw Kalen King's Prestige Worldwide going up against Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems. We talked to both coaches last week. Both coaches were very nervous. And following the podcast drop last week, Tony, Kalen King uh, had some had some words for us. He was not happy with, with what came out. So Kalen King tweeted out on discord just heard all of Derek's bias and Ty's interview didn't say much of anything when he had me on the hotline though uh at which point I responded with uh at Kaylin King I don't hide my bias I haven't hid my bias all year let this be known far and wide anyone who comes in that cocky having never won a championship in this league I will root against you for the rest of the season it's nothing personal and if you come in that cocky and end up winning the year I'll be the first to say I was wrong about your team and that your team fit off your confidence. But sadly, Kalen, you're just like the Browns all talk with high aspirations. But when you start peeling away at the OBJ and Mayfield and Chubb and hunt and Jarvis, you realize it's just a polished turd and turds get flushed down the Enron toilet bowl. Hashtag come at me, bro. I got to tell you, I, I was a little disheartened by Kalen's, uh, Kalen's frustration. I, I guess uh, I, I feel like I, I did not hide bias at all. I've been rooting essentially against Kalen the whole year. I've made that well known on the podcast. So uh, I don't know what your take was, Tony, on that. But I uh, I took that as a personal insult. Yeah, strong response there from you. But, uh, you know, Kalen did come in talking an awful lot of trash uh, his first visit to the podcast. And uh, I, I think he he was dealt his punishment from that by the fantasy gods ended up losing six games straight right after uh, and then ending up in this toilet bowl scenario. And uh, I don't think it's where any, any of us thought he would be coming off uh, an appearance in the championship game 
uh, last season against Steve's team, uh, but the bottom just really dropped out for his roster. And, uh, you know, for him, he was able to get his team to respond to all of your bias coming in this week. They put up their highest point total of the season, 163.9, when he needed it the most. Um, Nick Chubb gets himself in the end zone, puts up 23.8. Travis Kelsey at 25.2. Finally looks like Kelsey. And uh, Julio Jones, welcome back to the Fantasy League. Puts up 38. Just just a huge performance for Kalen when he needed it most against his crosstown rival. And in the rumpus in Columbus, which we were treated to three times this season, uh, he takes the rubber match in the one that means the most. Um, does this change your outlook for his team at all this season, Derek? You know, this has been Kalen's story. He's up and down, unpredictable. You know, at the end of the day, he was four and nine. It's not a bad record. Uh, just it, it was tough in that warehouse division uh, where everybody was kind of grouped in there. And he lost that that last week of the regular season to drop him down. So he's had a decent team full of big names. And, and we kept talking about it. he just seemed like it was it was one week away from these names doing what they do best. And this was the week that it happened. And certainly I agree. I think they fed off uh, his confidence coming into it. And on the other side there, Tyler Kerr with 89.3 getting an okay showing out of Todd Gurley and everybody else in the teens. Todd Gurley only had 20.8. So Ty didn't do himself any favors, but I think even if Ty would have put up a good week, that 163.9 out of Kalen was going to be tough to beat. And he was, he was second highest scorer in the league uh, in the toilet bowl. So, uh, you know, Kalen's team was up and down all year, not surprised. And, you know, he, Clearly, he knew what to do to get his team to respond. And if that's uh, if that's come after me, then hey, go for it. Uh, and he got he got himself the win when he needed the most. Yeah, Kalen's really had the. Uh, it's almost been the all names team all year. It's a, it's one of those rosters where you you take your phone, you show you show your colleagues at work to see how stacked your lineup is, and you just look through the the name values here: Nick Chubb, Julio Jones, Travis Kelsey, Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray. He's got dual quarterbacks there juju smith schuster you know it's one of those impressive lineups on paper but they just could not put it together this year for whatever reason um he would have a couple weeks in there where one or two of them would start putting up the points but he couldn't get them to do it all at the same time um it puts him in a kind of a tough spot heading into next season because i think he's got some good uh players on some pretty good values and there's got to be some distrust built up with some of his players uh, going into next season. You know, do they go back to performing the way they were accustomed to performing last season uh, when he was in the championship? Or is this season the new norm for him? So uh, um, I don't know. Where, where do you see his roster heading going into next season? I don't know, because I, I think Nick Chubb is keeper worthy. And outside of that, maybe DK Metcalf. I can't remember what he got him for, uh, but probably not. So I don't really see a whole lot on here that I would be real excited to keep. Uh, and Nick Chubb, I'm looking to see here what he went for. Uh, $6 for, from Grandpa's Cheese Barn. So Nick Chubb, probably keeper worthy. But outside of that, I don't see anything that jumps out to me 
uh, that I would pay a whole lot of money for, um, you know, outside of, outside of Nick Chubb there. I'm sure Kalen will overspend for somebody else. Uh, is it a is it a Julio Jones? Probably. But I, I Julio Jones is, you know, he's sixth, sixth ranked, uh, sixth ranked wide receiver. He was drafted for 55, so it'll cost him 61. So I, I don't even think Kalen's going to go for that. So Kalen's, just, he's going to be in a big time rebuilding year next year. And I don't, I don't know what he's going to do with it. Yeah, he's going to have some tough decisions to make. I think Nick Chubb is definitely a no-brainer there. I think you can make a strong case for Travis Kelsey, who will finally be up in the $30 range next year, but still might end up being value for him. And if you get if Patrick Mahomes comes back fully healthy next year, he's been facing a couple small injuries this year that kind of hurt his production. Um, I think those might be two decent pieces for him to build around. So he's going to have some tough decisions there. Um He's, he's been in a championship game before. He really, in, in the draft this year, used a very similar approach to the one he used last season. So it'll be interesting to see if he varies that a little bit heading into next year. The one, uh, interesting, on the, go ahead. The one interesting piece to me on this one, Tony, is Juju Smith-Schuster, who Kalen can get for 31 next year with potentially a Ben Roethlisberger coming back. I have to imagine they're going to add another weapon on the other side of of Juju. Is that a guy you think Kalen looks to keep? It's an interesting test case there because how much damage has Juju done to his stock this season? Maybe not so much him, uh, but facing injuries, having poor quarterbacks throwing him the ball. I think you can maybe make a case he doesn't go for much more than the $31 next year, even with Ben back and coming off a couple concussions and uh, this hamstring injury. So that's going to, I think it's going to be a tough decision for Kalen and trying to properly peg what Juju's draft value is going to be. Cause I think the the value that he has for him right now is, you know, you can, you can make a debate that it, it might end up being around there anyway, next year. Um, what are your thoughts on on the amount of money uh, that he'll command come draft day? I, I don't know. And I, I think it'll really depend what the Steelers do as far as a second wide receiver. I, I can't imagine with the Ravens in the division having the weapons they have now with Lamar Jackson and company that they're going to sit by. Obviously, I think a lot of teams are going to start stacking up defense when we look at AFC North. But you're also going to have to to outscore the Ravens, who who are just scoring machines. So Ben's going to want somebody who can give Antonio Brown like like numbers. Obviously, Antonio Brown is a a special case as far as production, his off the field issues aside. But I think that's something somebody they're going to be looking for is to fill that role and have a compliment for Juju. If they can do that, I think Juju's, you know, stock is is around the $35 range. If they can't, I think it's going to be at the 25 to 30 range. Kalen likes his big names. He really likes Juju Smith-Schuster for for one reason or another, and I don't doubt that part of his struggles this year was was second, third and fourth string quarterbacks throwing him the ball. So I, I think Kalen's gonna gonna go for him. I think he's gonna pay the thirty one and use it essentially as an advanced draft pick. 
Yeah, I, I think you can definitely make a case for that. And uh, having Ben back should be huge for Juju's value, even if it's only for a season. I'm not sure how much Ben's got left in him. So, um, you know, very anxious to see what Kalen does with this roster. It's got some good components. It has some good history to it, but he needs to get it back on the winning side. Um, and then on the other side of the test booklet, um, which we now know is uh, the front of the test booklet, where Tyler Kerr will be filling in his name. Uh, looking at Cyberdyne Systems, Derek, do you just scrap it and start over next season? Gosh, I might. Todd Gurley is just such a question mark. And I know that that Sean McVay was saying, you know, that he was being dumb and not using him enough. But at the end of the day, Ty drafted him for 47. He's going to cost him 52 next year. And I don't think Todd Gurley is worth it. Uh, he's a 12th ranked running back this year. That Rams team is good, but I don't, I just don't know. He's worth that. Amari Cooper, 11th ranked wide receiver for 36. I don't think he's worth the 41. I, I might. I might go ahead and just scrap it. You know, at the end of the day, he kept Vance McDonald, which didn't make any sense. We talked about it at the time. Ended up being the 31st ranked tight end. And I know he had some some injury issues there, but was drafted for 18 just absolutely not worth it. When we get into uh, keeper values, looking as we look into the beginning of next year, Vance McDonald is going to be amongst the worst, if not the worst keeper from from this year. And I think we could have predicted that at the beginning. So nobody on his roster really jumps out to me as saying, hey, this guy is is a guy I can build around. I might just scrap it and start over. What do you think, Tony? Uh, I've, Completely agree with you on the Vance McDonald front. Uh, that was a bad decision when he made it, and it didn't end up getting any better for him down the road. Um, I Looking at his roster, I think the one question mark I have is Amari Cooper, uh, where you, you really need to take a step back and see what happens with him this offseason because the Cowboys are going to have a really tough time keeping him. Uh, they're probably not going to be able to slap the franchise tag on him because Dak's contract is coming up as well. And they're most likely going to need to use it on the quarterback uh, and can't blame them there. You don't want to let Dak Prescott walk out the door. So that doesn't leave them with a tag to slap on Amari Cooper unless they want to put a transition tag on him. I doubt they do. I think there's a possibility Cooper ends up hitting the market, uh, which would be some major mismanagement by the Cowboys front office there if they let him walk. But I don't think it's a given he's back in Dallas. So then it becomes where does he end up? Um, I think you can make a strong case within the division that the Eagles would be after him with uh, how depleted their wide receiver core this was this year. Uh, the Chiefs will no doubt go and cut ties with Sammy Watkins and his $16 million contract this offseason. That will create some cap space there. The Chiefs could be in the market for a receiver. So if, if Mari Cooper ends up going to a place with a good quarterback and a good offense, uh, that $41 of what his, his keeper value would be would look like an absolute steal. So I think that's the one piece that he has there that is really worth keeping an eye on. Uh, some of the others, I, I think you can make a case for some of the others, but I think you'd really be trying to talk yourself into them. Um, 
that being said, offseason is, is young right now for us in the fantasy world. A lot can happen. Um, but I, I think a lot of us could have predicted the season coming from Ty. Um, he, he's going to have some work to do to repair this for next year and get himself uh, out of that ACT territory so he doesn't become a two-time test taker. Uh, I, I guess I guess the biggest question, and we'll move on to, to the next game, Derek, is uh, do you think Ty uh, can possibly – come up with an avatar that is as successful as the one he developed for Cyberdyne Systems. I can't imagine that. It had everything you could possibly want in an avatar. Uh, robots, guns. Uh, it's just it's just great. Obviously, the Terminator reference has been phenomenal in this, this Fortune 500 league. So I, I guess there's two routes that you go if you're Tyler Kerr when it comes to your, your avatar. You can either try to to make it better uh I, I again as we're talking i don't know if there is a way to get it better or you just say you know what hey i'm gonna i'm gonna buck the system we're gonna reset i'm gonna go for a standard avatar reset the standard and build up from there if i'm ty i go the latter because i don't think there's any way and another avatar can live up to this one yeah, it's going to be tough. As you can see, it's going to be an off-season of tough decisions for Tyler Kerr coming up, and, and not just with his lineup. <laughs> Poor Ty. We feel for you, bud. I hope you uh, <laughs> hope you do well on that ACT. And, and I, First off, I guess I hope you take it. Get that 32. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope, he, I hope he gets somewhere near there. That would be amazing. And that would we'll, uh, be incredible. We, I, I will tell you this. We will report his score out on the podcast. So for those of you not directly affiliated with the league, uh, stay tuned as we look at whenever we end up taking this test. We will have his score available so that everybody will know it. So you at least have that to look forward to. All right, let's go up into the real playoffs here. Number one, Kevin Hulick's law offices of Saul Goodman had the home field advantage against Dave Peschian's super sack. This game, another one that wasn't even close as Kevin takes this game 148.8 to Dave's 111.7. Kevin getting phenomenal looks out of Drew Brees at 28.3, Mark Ingram at 23.6, and solid efforts out of DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, and Josh Jacobs. And, of course, that Patriots defense that we've been talking about all year going into Cincinnati, picking him up 19 points. On the other side there for Pestian's team, Christian McCaffrey does Christian McCaffrey things getting 37.5. I know we talked about, was he going to be able to outdo his projection at 27.4? He does by 10 points. However, outside of Chris Carson, who also who got 26.7, nobody else really showed up. Gets a zero out of Ryan Griffin in that tight end spot. Not sure what Dave was doing there. Tom Brady gets 12.9. Melvin Gordon, 7.4. Jarvis Landry, 7.3. Steelers defense, 8. So just not a great showing out of Dave when he needed it. And Kevin has just made this miraculous comeback from dead last 
to number one and go into play in this champion in this Capital Bowl championship game. It got off to a rocky start for Dave from the get-go on Thursday night where uh, he goes and starts Ryan Griffin, who ends up being inactive for the game. Uh, some major best-buy issues happening on Dave's side this past week. Uh, that is why our, our Capital Bowl is not sponsored by Best Buy. It is by Circuit City. Um, does him no favors this week. Takes a goose egg there on a night where – uh, Kevin's got the Ravens, Mark Ingram going. He puts up 24. Um, and then Kevin's just able to continue this tear that he's been on. This is the ninth straight victory for Kevin after a disappointing start to the season. And there doesn't seem to be any slowing him down now heading into the Capitol Bowl this week. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty slow game for Derrick Henry there and for Jared Cook, who's been getting strong outings for, but everybody else really gets in the double digits for him as he almost puts up 150 points again. Um, he's going to be a, a formidable opponent in the championship here against, uh, against Vince Gorgonzola's squad. Um, looking at Dave's team, uh, didn't get strong enough outings from his supporting cast, really. Christian McCaffrey does what he does. Chris Carson does what he does. Uh, but outside of that, uh, pretty rough day for Melvin Gordon. Jarvis Landry in the Browns offense uh, ends up in a surprisingly tough matchup in Arizona. Uh, and then the Patriots offense just uh, flat out don't have to throw the ball very much to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, it, definitely some good things to build on for next year for Dave. And I, I think he's got some good keeper prospects. He's traded for some during the year that are he's definitely have to think about. I think the one question uh, – that, that comes to mind and looking at his roster, uh, Christian McCaffrey's keeper value for next year will be $59. Derek worth it. I have to imagine nobody went for these number one backs. You're looking at about that $60 range that 55 to $60 range anyways. And with how dominant Christian McCaffrey was this year, he's going to get that. The man averages 29.7 points. That is huge for these coaches. And and really, Dave was able to, to go on the back of Christian McCaffrey. He had one game, that week two game against Tampa, where he had 16 carries for 37 yards and 7.3 points. Outside of that, week 13, he gets 17.2. Every other game is 20 points or more with multiple games in the 40s, even more games in the 30s. So it's not like you had this up-and-down season from Christian McCaffrey. You had steady production with two rough weeks. So I, if I'm Dave, honestly, I'm keeping him at 59. You got one more year of him because you're not going to keep him after that. You're not going to keep him for 64. So I keep him one more time and see what I can build around him because you're not going to need a whole lot around him. If you can keep a Chris Carson as well, which Dave got for 15. So you're, you're paying 21 for Chris Carson. Those are two major monster pillars that you can build around and everybody else can be mediocre. Those two guys are going to carry you back to the playoffs. Yeah. From a, a production standpoint, I think it's a no brainer. I mean, he's been, easily the best player in, in fantasy football this year. And we're going to, we're going to announce our, our fortune 500 league, all pro 
roster next week. And uh, spoiler alert, McCaffrey's going to be on it. Uh, he's been consistently outshining his projection, which uh, on, on many weeks was just like this past week where he's projected for 27 points, puts up 37. Uh, he's been an absolute monster. I think the one thing that would give me a little bit of pause in the, in the decision, and it maybe it stems from where my rosters have come from in the past, uh, looking at the number of touches he's had this year, he's at 359 touches this year between uh, carries and receptions. And he was well over 300 again last season. Uh, just the law of football averages suggests uh, that, you know, injuries are going to happen at some points for somebody who touches the ball that often. And that it's, it's such a huge risk if you end up keeping a guy for $59 and then in the first couple of weeks he ends up going down with an injury. Um, am I being crazy, Derek, or is that something that would scare you a little bit as well? It would scare me a little bit, but I think what would scare me more is being stingy with my money not paying the 59 Christian McCaffrey goes to another team for 55 and runs all over my team. So I hear you. This is why, as we talked going into the draft, we, we talked about where some of these guys would go and, and for how much <clears throat> I don't ever like going above 60. Uh, I don't really like going above that 55 number. I'm with you. Injuries do, uh, you know, at some point Christian McCaffrey is going to get hurt. Everybody does in the NFL but you're going to get great production up until that point. And potentially, depending on whatever injury it is, you're probably going to get great production after that. You just got to hope it's not a season ender when it does happen. Christian McCaffrey's still a younger guy. Uh, that Carolina offense really revolves around him, but there are other pieces. We'll see what they do quarterback-wise with, with Cam Newton and whatnot, but it sounds like the Cam Newton days in Carolina are over. New coach going to be coming in, so we'll see what we what happens there. But I would be, I would have more of a fear of missing out that FOMO uh, with not having Christian McCaffrey on my team, knowing that I could have, and instead dropping a few extra dollars on on some guy who's going to be a bubble player if he's even going to make the the final roster week in and week out. So. I understand your your hesitation, and if Dave comes on here next year and says, listen, I'm not going to keep him because 59 is too much to spend, I'm not going to disagree, but if it were me, I, I would probably keep him. It's going to be a tough decision for him. Uh, if he can get another season like this out of Christian McCaffrey next year, he's going to be right back in this situation uh, where he is vying for a, ch a championship spot because – uh, with McCaffrey putting up 30 plus points a week, uh, that that's a really nice plug to put in your roster and something you can count on week to week basis. So we'll see if McCaffrey can do it three years in a row next year. And I think even if McCaffrey puts up, you know, like I said, he's putting up 29.7 on average this year, even if it's 25, I think it's still worth it. You can drop five points a game and he's still going to be worth every penny that they will pay for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, if you if you can stay under that sixty dollar mark uh, and get somebody who's you know even producing at the twenty point mark, um, that's that's still a pretty good steal for you. So I, I guess I guess my only hesitation with him is the injury front because you know players that get that many touches through multiple seasons, uh, the injury bug doesn't avoid them for very long, and I'm I'm sure there's probably some metrics out on this, or if there aren't. 
we have we have two interns who are hopefully uh, going to be listening to this podcast and uh, maybe if they'd like to take on an off-season project can look into uh, the ratio of touches for a player to the number of uh, games missed to injury. Uh, I, I think that would be a very interesting thing to look at because I, it almost feels like some of these seasons you can kind of get a sense for when a guy's due for an injury and then it happens kind of happened to me with Kamara this season it what then end up being a major injury uh but after two straight seasons of putting up quite a few touches I did kind of have a sense in my mind that uh, injuries could hit him this year especially with the increased workload and it did um so I, I think there's definitely a benchmark out there we just don't know what it is as far as when to expect injuries to hit a guy all right, Tony, going into our next game, we have Vince Gorgonzola's Grandpa's Cheese Barn hosting back-to-back defending champion Steve Groover, the EBDB B&B. And this game, Tony, wasn't even close as Gorgonzola's squad takes it 182.7 to Groover's 133.3. We at the Frosty Podcast... Congratulate Steve Groover on back-to-back championships and are very happy to say it will not be a three-peat. Gorgonzola's team led by Kenyon Drake, 39.6 points. Saquon Barkley, 30.3. Patrick Mahomes, 22.7. George Kittle, 26.4. And Tyler Lockett at an even 26. Getting okay efforts out of Austin Eckler and 49ers defense rolling in with five points. Vince is the highest scoring team in the league in a week that he needed it badly with Groover putting up a respectable 133.3 good showings out of Lamar Jackson, 37.1 Ezekiel Elliott, 31 and Joe Mixon, 18.6. So, like I said, a good showing out of Groover's squad, but not enough to take Gorgonzola's team, who was just on fire, Tony. Vince's team channels the the beginning of the season uh, trends from their team where they were putting up major points on a week-to-week basis. Uh, really very few weak links in this roster this past week. Uh, gets gets Kenyon Drake going off for four touchdowns against the hapless Browns defense out there in the desert uh, to kind of steer the ship there. And then uh, finally get Saquon Barkley to show up for him and put up a 30 point effort. Uh, when that happens, um, it, it, it's tough to beat. It's definitely tough to beat. Steve's team got off to a very good start Thursday night. One that really had Vince nervous with Lamar Jackson putting up 37 points and just continuing the ridiculous season that he's putting up. Uh, but he just didn't get it from the rest of his lineup. We've talked all year about uh, how average his receivers have been, and they they let him down in a tough spot there. Ends up getting 12 points from Diggs, only seven from Galladay, and then gets a, a very, very low 2.9 output from his tight end, Hunter Henry, um, when he had Mark Andrews on the bench, who put up 15. So... Uh, just doesn't get enough from his pass catchers here. And then Dalvin Cook doesn't perform the way he's been all season. He's starting to get a little banged up here late, later in the year. And after all that, you get a recipe for uh, Steve's first first loss uh, in the playoffs in a couple of years. He's not used to this. Um, you, you think we see him back 
here next year, Derek, and, and he comes back for uh, three and four years? If there's anybody that can do it, it's Groover. You look at the roster he ended up putting together this year. It didn't look stellar coming out of the draft. Uh, we talked about that it was kind of underwhelming. And then little by little through trades, Groover is in- incredible on the trade front. He puts together a team that coming into the playoff looked as good as anybody else's team out there. He was second in that very difficult sales division and really lost out due to points uh, against against Vince. So Groover was able to put together a squad that doesn't that wasn't luck. So he, his his fantasy skill is incredible. So I think if if anybody can do it, it's going to be Steve. I think this was a down year. Vince caught him on the on the right week, and Vince had a monster week. So I, I, Groover, I expect to be back in the playoffs next year, and I would expect him to be in the hunt for that championship again. Yeah, he's definitely our, our strongest fantasy performer over the years. So have to think he's going to bounce back from this. Looking at his, his roster, there's the keepers, uh, the keeper prospects there aren't as obvious as they've been in past years. So I think he's going to have some tough decisions to make there. He's got some higher values on guys than he's had in the past. Obviously has a low value with Lamar Jackson, but he's he's typically been a guy who does not like to keep quarterbacks uh, knowing that he can get somebody for a low value in the draft. So it'll be interesting to see what he does, but there's no, there's no doubting his skill in constructing a roster. So uh, I would definitely expect uh, that he will, he will be back in the playoff picture next year. Um, it, it's, it's just so weird how we've talked all year about all, all the parity that existed in this league and how uh, the entire league just top to bottom. Uh, was, there really wasn't that much separation and then we get here to the playoffs, and the playoffs just end up just being chalk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it ends up being one versus two in the title. Uh, Vince's team has been sitting there in the catbird seat all season long. Uh, number one spot has one of the strongest rosters, and he rides it all the way to the championship game here. So uh, Capital Bowl, where you have Vince Gorgonzola's team. Uh, that's been sitting there all year long, and then you have the hottest team in the league, Kevin Hulick's Law Offices of Saul Goodman, riding a nine-game winning streak and coming from the depths of the warehouse division uh, to come right up there and be in capital, capital Bowl position. I think it's going to be a championship for the ages. What do you think, Derek? I'm with you here. Kevin's team is the only team out of that warehouse division to even make the playoffs. So to have him go all the way through has been has been pretty miraculous. I know he got that first round bye, but he had a tough showing against a pretty good Peshin squad. And now going up against Gorgonzola, a rookie in this league, taking over my old roster that was has been in the in the toilet bowl playoffs the last two years, and two years ago was in the toilet bowl championship. He has taken that roster from from worst to best in one year, and has been has been miraculous to watch. And then Kevin has been well documented as he has risen through the ranks. So two unlikely contenders. I don't think we were giving Vince a whole lot of, of respect early as like going into the draft. In that, we we figured he'd be competitive, but I don't think we knew he'd be this good until after the draft. And you and I both agreed he had the best roster coming out of the draft. He got off to you know kind of a shakier start, but then as as the weeks progressed, he was the the top scorer for a long time until Kevin came in. So 
Not surprised to see these two teams at the top. I think at some point you kind of expected that that maybe a, a rising Groover squad or somebody would play would play upset, but hasn't happened. The teams have shown up when they've needed to, and we find them going up against each other. The thing that has been interesting to me with this this second round of the playoffs is the fact that none of these games were close, including the toilet bowl, uh, 182.7 to 133.3. 148.8 to 111.7, and then the 163.9 to 89.3. None of these games were close. I don't think that's what we're saying next week. I think this next game, and we're going to get into our picks here later in the podcast, but these two Titans going up against each other is going to be one for the ages, like you said. I'm really excited for it, and I can't wait to break that down later. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Kevin's team has been in the playoffs uh, multiple seasons here. Uh, he's always been one of our stronger coaches, but now he has a, a roster that, that matches that skill. And it's it's fitting to finally see him in that championship game. And then Vince just uh, riding the wave in his first season there. Put together a great draft. Uh, and put together some pretty good depth pieces around those, those uh, drafted players as well uh, that have got him to the point where if you're not getting – uh, typically consistent outings out of Saquon Barkley, you can still survive and win a lot of weeks. So if, if Saquon can build off of last week, he is going to be extremely tough to beat this week. So I, I'm, I'm extremely excited to see this game play out and uh, see who's going to be, who's going to be named circus city capital champion here in a week. And that'll do it for the opening bell presented by Dunder Mifflin paper company incorporated. The stage is set, and we finally have ourselves an ACT test taker. Sorry to you, Tyler. And with all the subjects he's going to need to study up for, the one that kind of slips under the radar is English. And I get it. Words are hard. I know with my job in sports media, I always have to be on top of my vocabulary to paint the best picture for you, the audience. So when I need to find the right words to say, I hit up my guys at Conjunction Junction. Conjunction Junction brings over 40 years of wordsmithing to the table and will help you craft even the most difficult of sentences in no time. Have a big presentation coming up? You can't figure out how to break up that rambling run-on you created? Hit up Conjunction Junction. Screwed up and made two baby sentences and can't decide how to link them? That's Conjunction Junction. When Derek is in Vegas and just can't quite find the right words to tell you how much he loved the Magic Mike show? You already know. Head to Conjunction Junction. And for this month only, if you pop into the East Side Shopping Center location next to Lolly's Adverbs, you can get 35% off your first order of conjunctions just by mentioning that you heard about them on the Frosty Podcast. That sound you hear right now is Ty starting up his car to head on down there and get his free words. And that's only at Conjunction Junction. What's your function? Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast. Next up, we have the Frosty Hotline with Coach of the Law Offices of Saul Goodman. Welcome back to the podcast, Kevin Hulick. Glad to be here. Great time to be here. Feel much more calm, you know, much more pleased about being on the call than the people last week. <laughs> Kevin, we got to talk about your meteoric rise through this league. I'm looking at your schedule. You open up week one with a win against Pestian at, at 162 points. And at this point, we're like, wow, Kevin's team, we didn't give it any respect coming out of the draft, but this dude put together a team. 
scoring 162 week one. You then go on a five-game losing streak. The whole time, we're like, man, Kevin is not this bad. We, we think he's going to turn around, but we don't know when. Is it too late for Kevin? And then you go on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight game win streak to take you to the championship game against Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Just such a roller coaster of a season. Take us through what your thoughts have been from week one through today. Um, well, I always had confidence. I, I was frustrated with the results because even when I was losing, I was still getting points. But, you know, I, I thought things would, would turn around. Um, I knew that, I mean, it's a 10-team league and six teams make the playoffs. So, you know, you're never too far out of it as long as you can, you know, as long as, you're, as you keep getting points. Um, I, I, like I said, I had confidence. And uh, I, will, I have to give credit to someone else who had confidence in me, uh, coach of the Green Dragon, Tim Taft. Tim and I spoke about this because uh, at one point we both had teams that were, were doing very poorly and then we played each other and he beat me. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about that afterwards. Um, but he, he thought that I would, I would uh, write the ship and thankfully that happened. Now I have to admit, I do not feel so good. Um, my entire team seems to be getting injured this week. I just don't even want them to practice anymore because I feel like, you know, at this point, someone else is going to get injured. So, you know, we're, it's like you have the kind of car and you've been riding it for a long time. And now you're just hoping you can get around the block to get to work. Yeah, Kevin, eight game winning streak is, is majorly impressive in this league. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at your lineup for this week. I'm staring at a couple cues here. We have Derrick Henry. DeAndre Hopkins, DJ Shark, all sitting there questionable. Obviously lost Chris Godwin uh, earlier in, in last week's game, so he won't be available this week. Um, how are you feeling about your wide receiver tandem if, uh, if for instance, Hopkins and Shark don't end up going for you? Oh, that just won't be very good at all. Uh, I think Hopkins will play. Apparently he was just sick today, so – he has time to recover. Um, Shark, uh, things are trending upwards because he, he had a light practice today. But, I mean, I'm playing Brashad Perryman, who I, who I just picked up off the waiver wire uh, in the flex spot. So, you know, I, as you can tell, things, things are not, not looking so good in terms of depth at this point. I mean, if Hopkins and Shark are out, I... I, I, I'm going to have to, I guess, play Duke Johnson in the flex. And I've had Duke Johnson on my team all year long, and I've never played him, and there's a reason for that. So you don't want to put in a new starter like that in a championship game. Kevin, last time you faced Gorgonzola's team was in week 13. You got a, a victory at under 100 points at 97.1 to 80.3. This week is looking to be deadlocked. At both teams projected at one thirty point two, what are your what are going to be your keys to victory this week? Oh, you know, just avoiding further injury, um, hoping that his team has a bad week again when, like, when we played the first time, 
Uh, you know, just hoping for luck at this point because at this point, yeah, I mean, to keep keep winning after this time, you need you need a bit of luck. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm hopeful. At least I'm not taking the ACT, you know. <laughs> So, Kevin, if we, we come out of this next week and uh, it's going to be Christmas Eve on Tuesday, and we're going we're gonna to know at that point who the Capital Bowl champion is. If we come, in, come into it next Tuesday and you are Cap- Capital Bowl champ, what's going to be the reason uh, that got you that W? What is your advantage this week over Vince's team? Oh, I'd like to think it's my charm, but, you know. Uh... <laughs> People say I show up on time. I know Vince likes my hair. Maybe that'll intimidate him. Um, but no, I I think what's really what could really do it is um, if the Texans have a great game this week, and I get a lot of points from Watson and Hopkins, and if uh, also if Jameis has another phenomenal week and. Yeah, I mean, the only person he has to throw to at this point is Prashad Perriman. So, you know, if if those those guys can can kick on and have big weeks, then I'm I'm very hopeful. But you know, I was looking at at Vince's lineup today, and I don't know if this is the lineup that he's actually going to go with during the game because he has some good options on the bench. So it's I mean, it's very up in the air. His team is very good, um, but. You know, some of them have been up and down. Like when we played uh, in week 13, like he had Lockett. And Lockett, I mean, he's had a very good year, but he, I don't even think he got a point in that game. So, you know, he has a lot of talent, but he just needs, I need some of his guys to have off weeks. Yeah. And Vince's team, <clears throat> he has a lot of guys who, on paper look to be about the same. And so there's a lot of decisions that, that yeah. he has to make. So when, when he makes them right, like he did last week, you can go off for 180 points. And if you make them wrong, then you can get 80 points. So it, it'll be up to a lot of, I think, internal coin tosses. And that's where I think you have a little bit, I'll say easier of a time. Because your guys on the bench really aren't anywhere near your guys on your starting roster. So as long as you don't have to play any of those guys on the bench, it's an easier choice for you. Uh, less, you're not going to be kicking yourself as much if you lose, thinking like, well, if I would have played this guy or that guy. Uh, I feel like your team, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like your team is a little bit more of what you see is what you get. Yeah, well, I mean... And so towards the end of the year, I kind of saw that. And so that's why I traded like Cortland Sutton and DJ Moore. Um, I mean, I, I moved those guys on because I wanted, I, I, I had these guys and I wasn't able to play them. And they, I thought they were pretty good. And, you know, the people that, that traded for them thought they were pretty good. But I, I kind of used them to, to fill some positions where I needed to get a little stronger and didn't have the depth. I mean, I'd say my strength this year was the wide receivers, and now it's ironic that all my wide receivers are getting injured on the championship game. But, you know, yeah, you got to do what you can to get to the championship, and then once you're in the championship, you got to just hope you have a good week. I don't know. I've never been to the championship before, so this, I guess that's a philosophy, but hasn't really proven to be a successful one in the past, so. 
Well, Kevin, I'll tell you, uh, having been in the championship game in this league myself, it was a last-minute switch in wide receiver that lost me the game. So that's why I always look to see what the coaches are having to choose between because if I would have left my roster alone, I would have been championship, not Dave, or the champion that year, not Dave. Uh, so it's always something I look at to say, like, how can this coach screw it up? Because uh, it's the eternal pessimist in me that thinks that way. Yeah, well, that, that, you know, that's why I kind of just try and let it rip. Whereas with, hopefully with Vince, he's going to be crunching his numbers too much and he's going to make a last-minute decision that he is calculating one way and then the bet goes the other way. That is the ideal situation. So Kevin, we'll, uh, we'll end with this. Uh, this is going to be the first time in three years where we don't have Steve Groover hoisting the trophy here. Um, what message do you have for Steve in taking him off his throne this year? Oh, um, well, just if you could just let him know that I hope everything's going well for him. Um you know, I know we all don't like Steve, but this may be a tough time. So, you know, our thoughts are with him. Uh, yeah, no need to, no need to, to kick a groover when he's down. <laughs> that was a soft response. I think Vince is going to win this week, Derek. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> well. I kind of think Vince is going to win this week, too. So <laughs> I'd like hey, to win, though. Don't get me wrong. You know who is on your side, Kevin? Aunt Mary Beth. Aunt Mary Beth is on your side. Oh, that's good. Did she pick me or did she pick Vince? Well, she picked Vince, but she uh, oh, she really God, likes you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that she picked Vince because I know the last time she made the pick, she got them all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that she's she thinks highly of me. I think highly of her, not of her picking though. Yeah, she was zero for five that week. It was rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't win them all. No, or any but, of them, I guess. <laughs> but Kevin, good luck to you winning this week. The week that matters the most in that Circuit City Capital Bowl. Uh, good luck to you, Kev. Thank you very much. Next up on the Frosty Hotline, we have the coach of Grandpa's Cheese Barn, our intern, Vince Gorgonzola. Welcome back to the podcast, Vince. Uh, that's me just drinking some bourbon right now because I'm so terrified of this week coming up. But, um, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I've only had about six glasses of bourbon a, a day now. Um, I'm, I'm, I think, um, you know, most of the games are, um, they're actually Saturday and Sunday. Wasn't expecting that. Um, when I looked at the schedule, I was like, okay, so the NFL was really trying to grasp here at the end of the season because they know that half these games are going to be bullshit. But um, I guess they're going to try to compete with some college football. Unless all that's done, I don't know. I don't keep up with that crap. Anyways, uh, definitely freaking out. Um, let me try to calm my nerves for a second and have a little more bourbon. Uh, back to you, Derek and uh, Tony. So, Vince, as we look at your schedule, your schedule throughout this this year, you know, you start off at one and two, 
and then go on a six-game win streak through week nine before you drop two games, win one, lose one, win one. And you find yourself now in this championship game coming off a spectacular week at 182.7. Take us through the thought process you had throughout this season. Uh, you know, How'd you feel after week three when you were two and one and then after that, that monster win streak you went on? You know, really week one and two, I felt like um, I had a chance to, I could have been, you know, eight and oh, really, um, to be honest, in the beginning of the season, uh, just made a couple of poor decisions. But, um, you know, with my with my my draft choices and and you can see with uh, the ESPN stats tracking um, that I was supposed to, you know, win this league out, according to ESPN. And um, and I felt that way after the draft. I felt really good about it. <clears throat> um, you know, I felt like I made some really good decisions, spent some money in a, a couple of places like Barkley and Mahomes that I felt like were good spots, but I also picked up some good players that were not that expensive, but were really good complimentary players. And, uh, and I had a couple of injuries that, that it hit me around that, uh, you know, week seven, week eight timeline. You have Patrick Mahomes going down, uh, with a dislocated kneecap went out for, uh, I think it was uh, four weeks, three or four weeks comes back well before he's supposed to actually but then it gets hurt you know hit with a hand injury you have saquon barkley that goes down with the uh the high ankle sprain that he comes back like a beast um way earlier than he's supposed to but doesn't produce like he's supposed to in the games after that so um quite a lot of injuries um a couple of trades that i made throughout the season that uh you know trading nick chubb was one of those ones that was uh, a tough one for me I felt like it was good in the long run. Uh, James Conner is, I think, still the clear back out of, out of the Steelers' uh, um, backfield where Nick Chubb had to compete with Kareem Hunt, who I picked up, by the way, at the end of the season. Kareem Hunt was sitting out there in free agency uh, and uh, on the waiver wire, and, and he's done actually pretty well uh, and has put up numbers close to Kareem Hunt, so almost to the spot where I believe that he was going to be. Uh, had a chance with a couple trades. You know, for example, uh, I got rid of Kels, um, Zach Ertz and got George Kittle. That was a really great trade. Then got uh, rid of Austin Hooper, both to Tony, by the way. Uh, Austin Hooper is still really good. I don't need two of those tight ends in that in that same kind of uh, uh, lineup. But you know, I made a lot of lot of interesting trades throughout the season to try to offset some of those injuries. Um, picked up, you know, OBJ and Tyler Boyd. Um, picked up, uh, I think, uh, Tyler Lockett. For, no, not Tyler Lockett. I, I had him. Uh, but I picked up Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler has been a powerhouse for me throughout the season. You know, so a couple players that really helped me out uh, through the uh, the back half of the year when I had the injuries. Um, overall, though, I think it's just been a it's been a roller coaster in the end of the season where trying to offset the, all the injuries and uh, and just put up a, a solid lineup every single week. And as you can see, sometimes it paid off, sometimes it didn't. Um, it's really hard to predict at the end of the season when you have these kind of injuries and you start to trade players like that. That um, you just you just never know what's going to produce at the end of the season. Vince, you mentioned how much how much you spent on uh, on Saquon Barkley, your top running back there, and he's had a he's had a largely disappointing season for the most part, but comes out with 30 points this past week and looks like the Saquon of old. Uh, how are you feeling about him going into this pivotal Capital Bowl matchup? You know, you look at the matchup uh, that he has against Washington, and you can only expect that he's going to blow up again. Now, I will admit that when I started watching, um, you know, football 
um, last Sunday, and I, I was seeing Saquon not really producing uh, in the beginning of the, of the game. I mean, <laughs> if you were following the um, the Discord thread, I was asking what the hell is going on with the Giants right now. It feels like they possessed the ball once in the first quarter. And Saquon, I think, had like two points in the first quarter. I said, oh, I'm fucked. All right, I'm already, I'm already, I was already feeling pretty low after the, the Lamar Jackson 37-point game that he put up on Thursday night. Um, but I didn't think there was any chance. And if Saquon was going to only have two points in the first quarter, um, they, there was no chance it was going to win. But then all of a sudden, you know, they, they really start to give him the ball a lot more um, in rushes as well as passes. And he starts getting a couple touchdowns and playing to the um, – to the to the way that Saquon should be playing um, in the Giants offense and uh, going into the to the week with Washington, I, I feel like it's a very similar uh, outcome that should that should come about and um, and I think that he and Eli have started to put together a really nice uh, uh, chemistry. So I, I feel really good. Um, he's projected at 19.3 points. I think he can at least do 25. I'm really hoping for that. Um, you know he's still on 100% of rosters pretty much. And he's being started 91% of the time. So I, I think everybody's pretty uh, comfortable with saying that Saquon's going to produce in one of the most pivotal games of the season. So, Vince, would you call Saquon your, your key to victory this week? Or if not, uh, who, who do you think is, is your key to victory this week? I mean, I don't really think that uh, Saquon is my the key to uh, to winning this week. I really think it's uh, Kenyon Drake. So I, I think, uh, you know, it was a, a brilliant trade on, on my part. Um, I, I appreciate it, Tony, for, for Kenyon Drake. I mean, and, and really he was an emerging back out of the Arizona um, uh, running back scheme here. Uh, we have Thompson that kind of, you know, gets, uh, gets bench and Kenyon Drake really emerging. And, and then the the Cleveland Browns let him run all over them and scores almost 40 points. Um, you know, at that point I was almost saying it was a bittersweet, obviously, because I'm a Browns fan. I was almost saying, Kenny Drake, okay, calm down. I, I get it. You're good. Save it for next week. Um, you know, he's facing a pretty tough Seahawks defense. So um, he, they're projected, you know, 17th against uh, running backs, and it's pretty good, but it's also not great. So I really think that the 14.6 points that Kenny Drake has is, uh, is the piece that I really need to um, uh, to have perform well. And if he, if that's I think really is the key to my win here because I think Saquon versus Mark Ingram. Uh, is a pretty good matchup, and I think Austin Eckler has a really good shot of uh, against uh, Derrick Henry, who Derrick Henry is a little bit injured, uh, facing a pretty tough New Orleans defense. And so for the running back scheme, I think Ken Drake is my biggest key here for the win in uh, in the last week. Well, you're welcome for Drake there, uh, Vince. And uh, once once we're offline, you'll have to you have to get with me and let me know what what button you hit in the app to uh, make sure all of the players that you sent me got injured the second they touched my roster. Because I'm gonna need to learn that party trick next year <laughs> uh, for sure. Backspace, <laughs> um, just... backspace, backspace, forward space, backspace. B A A B B A start. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm more of, I'm more of a visual learner. So if you can email that to me, it'd be, it'd be great. <laughs> So looking looking back to uh to last week, Vince, you know this is your first year in the league. Uh, you you face Steve, who's back to back champ, and you knock him off. So for the first time in three years, he will not be champion of this league. Uh, what's it mean to you in your first year in the league to come in and take down the defending champ? It's 
the biggest honor that I could have. I mean, honestly, if Kevin beats me, I'm not going to be as hurt in, you know, as if Kevin, uh, if Kevin beats me versus Steve beating me last week. I really was, um, I, I really contemplated a lot of, uh, you know, negative moves. I was thinking about divorcing and, and uh, moving to Bermuda and just completely starting over in life. Uh, on Thursday night after I saw Lamar Jackson just put up five touchdowns and 37 points. And I thought, well, that pretty much sets, you know, the, 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 the winning record for, uh, for Steve to go on and try to face Kevin. I knew Kevin was going to win. Um, and, and, and to be honest, I mean, even Amanda was, uh, contemplating, uh, a split up here. She was saying, you know, I don't, uh, really enjoy watching you, uh, watch football anymore. Um, you know, with this whole new league. Um, and I have to do, definitely, you know, consider that for next season. I have to kind of keep my composure. Um, she she definitely understands the the severity um, with Steve being such a fucking dick. And uh, and thank God I beat him. And well, you know, well matched for sure. And I give a lot of props to Steve putting up such a tough uh, team to face. But thank God I beat him, and uh, and now I can kind of go forward. As the Sunday was progressing, and I kept just watching all my players really perform at the highest level possible. Um, I mean, really, it, 183 points. I'm pretty sure that was the highest of my season, and um, and one of the highest of the season. I think 195 was probably the highest. Uh, so I was definitely it was that my players played the best they could. Um, you know, I put a couple people in that were uh, last-minute decisions that got me the win. Um, but at the same time, like Tyler Boyd taking him out was a great choice. Um, OV Day putting him in was a really tough choice. Kareem Hunt taking him out and putting Kenyon Drake in, you know, that was a big, obviously, uh, a risk, I thought, because Kenyon Drake had not proven himself yet. Um, but uh, Tony, to your point, um, the, the stats kind of proved themselves out that any back that is playing the Browns, you better start them because uh, they're going to con- they're going to continue to roll over the Browns uh, this season and probably into next season. So uh, anybody that um, that that cares about that for next season, that I don't think that trend uh, discontinues. But um, overall, I mean, I think it was uh, a lot of last minute decisions that got me the win. Uh, as well as got me the 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 um, you know the sizable margin difference, and I just don't know if I can re you know if I can continue that effort into this last week here against Kevin, but I'm gonna try and I'm going to study every single move that I can possibly make until Saturday. So Vince, you know you you took over my roster, which. Uh, two years ago was in the toilet bowl championship last year in the toilet bowl playoffs. And as I look at this roster, it is entirely unrecognizable from, from the roster. I left you outside of T Y Hilton who ended up coming to you by chance anyways. So can you comment on, you know, being a rookie in this league, taking over a roster that was, that was struggling and, and to get where you are now? Well, I will thank you, Derek, because you gave me some pieces um, that that got me the, the roster that I have now. So, you know, Nick Chubb was a great keeper um, that was a very cheap keeper. And he's obviously one of the top runners in the uh, in the NFL. He's going to the Pro Bowl. He's uh, top of the league in terms of rushing yards. Um, so he's definitely got a lot to prove still, I think, um, in, in, in terms of 
uh, being that consistent back, going uh, down for down when it comes to uh, the you know the red zone, getting the opportunities and scoring those touchdowns because he's clearly not leading the league in touchdowns, but he's definitely got the yards, he's definitely got the touches, uh, and and that got me um, quite a bit of assets just from trading him. James Conner being one of those where I think comparable in, in terms of the points that can possibly score each week as long as James Conner's healthy. Um, but it also got me a couple of other options. Uh, and, and really, I think um, from fantasy perspective, it was pretty uh, flat trade considering the fact that Kareem Hunt is sharing the backfield with uh, Nick Chubb, who I've also picked up, Nick, you know, Kareem Hunt. Um, and then you've also got, you know, Zach Ertz, who I made the trade with Tony for George Kittle. And uh, while Zach Ertz is still, uh, I think, a powerhouse, George Kittle has been a little bit better. Um, but he's also, um, I think, being a little younger on a, on a younger San Francisco team. Uh, he's got Garoppolo versus, uh, you know, um, Wentz. And I think Wentz is still uh, emerging. He's kind of looking like he's in that, that form of the Super Bowl that he, the um, contender that he was supposed to be. Uh, so I think they have a lot of upside next year. But Kittle being a little bit uh, cheaper on the keeper side, um, that helps me out a lot. Uh, but but really, you gave me a lot of good keepers at cheap prices that allowed me to spend some money on players like Mahomes and Barkley. Um, that really set me up for success this year. Uh, but I did take a couple of chances and a couple of, um, I think, uh, you know, some, some risks on the trades, some risk on the drafts. Um, Sterling Shepard uh, being one of those draft picks that I uh, that I took that was uh, – I wasn't sure if that was going to be a, a solid choice or not. Tyler Lockett wasn't sure. But, you know, um, as if Shepard wasn't hurt all year, he would have really produced a lot for me, I think. But the concussion protocol that he had all year was really uh, damaging effect. But uh, Tyler Lockett had a kind of up-and-down season but played for me when I needed him to. Austin Eckler coming to me from Tony's trade that really uh, escalated my year. He He's pretty much what saved me all year. Um, but it was based on the assets that I had from your team. Um, so I really think a lot of it comes down to um, a couple of assets that really allow me to play some chess. Um, and then a lot of smart decisions on my end in terms of the draft, as well as taking some risks on the draft, as well as taking some risk on the waiver wire. Well, Vince, it's it's been a pleasure this season having you in the league. And uh, best of luck to you coming into this this last week here, the big one. Uh, hopefully you can come away with a championship here and uh, hopefully you're picking out that bottle of bourbon you want to celebrate with. Cause I think you got a good shot to take it home. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough task though. Are you telling me that the bottle of bourbon is, is clear by the league and that I will get it for free and then I can expense it as a company expense. Yes. Yes. Derek has the uh, credit card. Just make sure you get it from him. Um, and he he'll go over the entire expense process with you. That is, that is fantastic because I already have a couple of uh, in mind of bourbons that I of, of my choice that I've had a sip of, obviously, that I, I wouldn't mind having a full bottle. So, um, uh, Derek, I appreciate you stocking my, uh, my liquor uh, cart. Listen, I'm happy to do it. Uh, Vince, last thing here before we let you go. What uh, can you comment on on being a an intern for this show and what that has meant to you if you something you've enjoyed and would be interested in doing it again next year well i mean really i, I at some points i got pretty bored um either at work or overseas while i was at work and i had a lot of time in the evenings 
um, that allow me to um, to do some some high level analysis, but as as well as some more detailed analysis. And and while I was already invested into the league, um, you know, it was just another expansion and extension, basically, of what I was doing. Um, and, and and this league being so competitive and so um, uh, I guess. Um, it, it, it energizes you because you have the podcast as an example um, that really keeps you uh, really motivated to to keep up with the league. Also, I mean, you have the punishment of the ACT test that really tells you that you don't want to be last place. It really motivates you to keep focus with the league, but also is a really great factor into keeping you engaged. And, and really being an intern wasn't so much... Um, a job. Um, I understand how to get paid. I didn't had I had no money come my way. In fact, I spent money on all the coffee that I, I provided for you guys um, in the tireless hours that you put together this podcast. Um, but it's worth it every single penny because um, you know this podcast is a lot of fun to be on and to provide any content that I can. Um, also, that the analysis that I uh, provided was really also for myself and for trying to, um, you know, better myself. And it, and it clearly worked out because I'm sitting here, you know, facing uh, Kevin in the, in the finals here and uh, um, and potentially going to uh, to win out. So um, definitely something that I will continue to want to do, um, whether or not I'm an intern on the show, I will definitely still be continuing the statistical analysis and providing some content to the show. Well, Vince, we really appreciate all your hard work uh, to, like I mentioned it with Dave, but to make this podcast takes a, takes a team effort. There's a lot, a lot of moving pieces and a lot of logistics and uh, your help with all this and, and getting the coffee and spilling as, as little as possible has been appreciated. I appreciate that. And I know that I was trying to, um, to minimize my spills uh, but as Tony pointed out to everybody that I could not contain myself and I spilled a proportionable amount of beer on his uh, on his on a billiards table that he has in his basement that everybody's pretty well aware of. Um, and I and that was probably, I think, the first beer spill that he's had on that pool table. And I told you, Tony, I totally apologize. I tried as good as I could have to uh, clean it up. And I clearly um, it's probably going to be a stain on that table that you have to try to sell the house with. And I probably knocked down the value of your house about $20,000. So I, I apologize. No worries, Vince. We're just going to deduct it from your next paycheck. So, uh, um, not, not a huge issue on my end. And good. I wasn't expecting that paycheck anyways, cause it's bounced every, every time you guys try to send me one. <laughs> All right, Vince, appreciate you joining us. Good luck this week. Appreciate it, guys. And you guys, uh, thank, thanks again for putting all the time and effort into this podcast. Uh, it's been a it's been a roller coaster season, and it's been a pleasure to listen to you guys every single week, in out uh, with all of the guest pickers and uh, all the, the 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 coaches coming on. So um, you know, it's kept kept us all engaged, and we can't thank you guys enough for all your efforts. We appreciate that, Vince. It's been a lot of fun for us. Uh, to do this every week and and to talk about the league and if nothing else we get to hang out with all of our friends once a week and, and chat about fantasy football which is what we were doing anyway so we enjoy doing it yeah so we'll just have to make sure that we do it together with some bourbon next time fair no, enough no, no doubt. and that was vince gorgonzola on our frosty hotline 
Uh, again, thank you to Coach Kevin Hulick and Vince Gorgonzola as they prepare to face off in this week's Circuit City Capital Bowl. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast. Next up, Tony, we have our final segment of the forecast presented by Goliath National Bank, the world leader in credit and banking. And before we get to this week's game, Tony, we're going to kick it over to intern Dave, who's going to give us our stats for how often we've been correct in picking the champions or picking the winners of each game. And we'll find out, Tony, which one of us has the better picking percentage. Intern Dave, lay it on us. Thanks for having me on the show today, guys. I'm pretty excited to share some uh, hot stats with you, taking over some of uh, Vince's responsibilities here. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the reason I was uh, gifted this lovely intern role that I'm I'm so grateful for is is solely because of some things similar to the Pickums and 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 wondering, uh, you know how well people have done uh, that have come on the show and especially how well the two of you have performed in some of your predictions. So I kind of started logging that in the background, checking out a few things. And, and you know, that was just, uh, I was ripe for the picking, <laughs> get it, uh, to, to join the show and, and contribute. And, and, you know, one of the ways I, I thought I could, so uh, just a few things I thought I'd cover, um, you know, out of the gate, everybody did pretty bad. So uh, for the most part, out of out of the guest pickers, which I am going to bunch all of them together for the most part, and then obviously all of Derek's picks and all of Tony's picks. Um, and just to note that for Tony's picks, uh, I excluded his own games from, from the tally. So the, the percentage is still valid. Um, but his, his, uh, sample size is a little bit smaller compared to Derek's. And then also with some of the guest pickers, like obviously I, I've been a guest picker on the show. We've had some other people in the league that had a little bit of stock in the games. And so decided to exclude their games from their picks and uh, as well as excluding those from the statistics that I am about to share. A couple notables real quick out of the gate. I am proud to say that one person during the entire season had a perfect pick, perfect set of picks. And... That was my younger brother and previous coach in the league, Elliot Peston. He went five for five, and he is the only one to do it the entire season. Um, uh, another notable Amanda was uh, the next highest uh, correct pick percentage with four out of five games. Nobody else got four out of five. Uh, and then everybody else was either two or three. We, we didn't have... Uh, uh, too many that were were outside of that. I guess uh, a, a notable uh, Aunt Mary Beth <clears throat> didn't, didn't didn't do too hot. But 
part of the problem was she thought Steve was going to beat me. So if she would have uh, at least picked me being the one still holding down and meanderwood, you know, she, she wouldn't be the, the negative notable in this. But let's get to the statistics that are important. Let's get to the stats that you guys have been waiting to hear. And that is out of the two hosts who performed the best. Derek had 65 games to choose from. Tony, a little bit limited, at 13 less than that at 52 games. Out of those 52, Tony picked correctly 25 of them to give him an astounding 48%. Or, you know, as those of us uh, over at the ABCs of the ACTs like to say, an F. Uh, Now, if we go over to his counterpart. Derek out of 65 games, you correctly chose 34. I'll do the math for you. That's 52%. Also an F, so don't brag about it too much, but you did beat Tony. And then yeah, comparing that <laughs> and the comparing that with the uh, the guest pickers, they were they were right at uh, uh, 51%, you know, some rounding things there. You guys were pretty similar. So you you really didn't do that much better. Than the uh, than the guests that were kind of a, a variety of different people, both involved in the league and and spectators that enjoy the uh, the show that we put on all season long. Uh, but at the end of the day, Derek, you uh, you beat your co-host, and and I guess that's why your name is on the podcast. And and Tony's just briefly mentioned a couple times during the show, but both of you did terrible. So. Uh, again, don't brag too much. Oh, no, I'm going to brag because I did significantly <laughs> less terrible than Tony. Uh, I was real nervous we were going to have to rename the podcast the Perenni <laughs> Podcast, which sounds stupid. So, Frosty Podcast, it stays because yours truly is the master at picking games. Who's going to win them? This guy knows. So, come to me if you want to have over 50% of your picks right. <laughs> this guy knows them. <laughs> As we talked about earlier, it really just reflects uh, reflects Derek's bias because I, I had to go the opposite direction on some of the picks where he's just, you know, he's, he he just doesn't like certain certain teams in the league. So I had to go and support the other side. So uh, take your victory, Derek. Just know that uh, once uh, once sports gambling becomes legal in Ohio, uh, neither of us should be playing. Yeah, no, I don't gamble because I'm afraid to lose. I don't put myself in situations to lose, which is why. Um, I made sure to always pick second and not third and have feel that pressure. And listen, sometimes like I'm the guy who goes to the horse track and I don't really look at stats. I just look at the horse's name. And if it's funny or Irish, I vote like that's who gets my money. So I don't gamble often, but when I do, that's what I pick. Also, I'm, I'm a guy who bets on Jersey colors. So I don't, uh, I don't have great, uh, reasons why I, I pick who I pick. A lot of times I just pick against people I don't like. And you know what, Tony? It works because I'm the champion. It's just Derek picking Gronk the horse sitting there in his Gronk jersey. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Dave. Thank you very much for running those stats for us. And most importantly for cooking the books to make sure I won. And uh, you can keep your job for next year. 
Well, I do appreciate that. And I do want to just, uh, again, to extend my thanks to the Frosty Podcast team and the Frosty Podcast audience for allowing me to be a part of the show and to kind of give my, uh, my quick uh, test prep questions. I know some of them may not have gone as I expected, or uh, as some of the listeners may have expected, but I really did have a great time, and it's no secret, uh, both publicly and privately, I have expressed my admiration for the show that you guys put on, and I I really appreciate being a part of it, and uh, I can't wait for next year, not only to hopefully uh, come back and win the league, but also to join the Frosty Podcast team. And last thing I'll say, I hope Kevin beats Vince. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Appreciate your uh, your help with this podcast. It does take a team to, to make this week in and week out. Dave's been an instrumental piece of it. So we thank you, Dave, for your hard work. Uh, and that'll wrap Dave on this inaugural season of the Frosty Podcast. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thanks to Dave Peschen for giving us all those stats. Now let's get into this week's Circuit City Capital Bowl. As we see the top team in the sales division, Vince Gorgonzola's Grandpa's Cheese Barn, going in to take on Kevin Hulick's Law Offices of Saul Goodman, the team representing the warehouse division. As of Wednesday night, this game is deadlocked at 130.2. Tony, you cannot get better than this. This is an absolute even projection. Nobody's projected to win. And we have great guys on both sides of the rosters here. And it, it's going to be quite the matchup. Yeah, you can't you can't ask for more from a championship game. Deadlocked at 130.2 projected points. We mentioned earlier they took different paths to get here, uh, but these spots have been well earned. They were definitely two of the strongest teams down the stretch. And uh, I think I think if you if you guessed a couple weeks back and and polled members of the league to to see who they thought was going to be sitting here in the Capital Bowl, uh, they probably would have said these two teams. So I think you got the two strongest. There's some pretty good matchups on both sides here, Derek. Uh, how do you feel like this? How do you feel this one turns out? I'm really kind of debating here as I look first at the quarterback position. Kevin has Deshaun Watson going up against Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson has been the better quarterback, averaging uh, about 1.4 points more than. Um, more than Kevin, more than Mahomes. So the slight nod there and going up against Tampa Bay, which I really like that matchup. Uh, Looking down further, DJ Chark for Kevin has been a monster. He's the 14th ranked wide receiver in the league. And uh, Vince is sitting there with Tyler Lockett, the 13th ranked wide receiver. These two teams are are absolutely deadlocked as you look at their roster. But at the end of the day, defense wins championships, and Kevin has the 
the nod there with the Patriots defense going up against Buffalo. It's going to be a division rivalry and, and one as the Patriots are, are trying to secure that spot in the playoffs. They're going to be looking for blood. And I think that is going to be what it takes for Kevin to get the win and claim his first championship in the Fortune 500 League. That's interesting. That's really interesting there, Derek, as I, I think these, these two teams are so tight right now. And, and both sides have really good matchups. Um, we, we mentioned something earlier. Uh, when it was in talking with Vince. He made two points. Um, his first point uh, was that his key to victory this week was going to be Kenyon Drake. Uh, Drake is facing the Seattle Seahawks this week, who have been getting a little bit better against the run. Let's not forget that going into last week's game against the Browns, the Cardinals had lost six straight games. And uh, it, it's easy to, to look at that game against the Browns and see Drake go go off for four touchdowns and uh, think that he's going to be a guy to carry you to victory every week. But that has not been the case for, most, for the most part. The Arizona offense has been uh, pretty streaky. I think they go back to being streaky this week. And on the other side of what Vince said there, play your running backs against the Browns. Who has that in this matchup? It's Kevin. Mark Ingram going against the Browns. That Browns defense looks like they're about to quit on Freddie Kitchens right now. I think that swing right there might be enough to, to literally swing it in Kevin Hulick's favor. I think he gets the victory here and gets his, his first capitable championship Vince will have to wait another year in the league to get his. And there it is. Both of us projecting that Kevin Hulick, the meteoric rise, the Cinderella story, takes that victory to win his first championship. Tony, it has been a miraculous season for Kevin. It's been a wonderful season for us. And uh, this forecast segment has been one of my favorites. We didn't do a guest picker because there was only one game here. Uh, so for our very final forecast segment, Tony, I appreciate your help on this one. And I'm very happy to hear that I had the best picks overall this season. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow on my side. Uh, but I guess I won't be making up any ground on you this week because we both picked the same side. So I'm just I'm anxious to kick kick my feet back this week. I don't have to worry about taking an ACT exam. I can just watch guilt-free football and see who who wins this Capital Bowl championship. And that will do it for our final forecast presented by Goliath National Bank, the world leader in credit and banking. And that'll do it for us here at the Frosty Podcast. We are presented by Steel Valley Media on behalf of the Fortune 500 League. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, is Tony Perenni. Our overworked and underpaid interns are Vince Gorgonzola and Dave Peschian. Good luck to Vince. Uh, I know we picked against you, but it'd be nice if one of our own wins the championship. Don't forget to catch us on Twitter, at FrostyPod. And don't forget to catch us on our Frosty Live Tour, where you can get tickets at ticketgeek.com slash frosty don't forget the promo code tony for 20 percent off those tickets we'll be back next week to talk about the winner of the circuit city capital bowl and wrap up the season we will see you then
Thanks for listening. Hey, have you, have you guys looked at the projections this week? Yes. 130.2 to 130.2. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh I it was different. I think I had like a like a one point advantage. But then Jacobs got bent. I had to bench Jacobs. Okay. The sound. I don't Me? know. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing there, Derek? Yeah. Yeah, I think of orange slices. That was orange slices. Not like actual oranges, like those like gummy orange slices. Gummy orange slices. Sounds like you're like crinkling up cans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do that while we're like actually doing our thing. Yeah. Or do whatever. Crank- it's your podcast, so. You got to get your fake oranges and re-get them. you want to crinkle them. oranges, just do it. Yeah. Hello? No, it's too late now, Dave. Okay. All right. Have a good night. We'll call you back. Are you going to be available in like 10 minutes? Are you guys in the middle of something? Yeah, we have Kevin on. Oh, okay. Hey, Kevin. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, and I really hope that you beat Vince because we can't let that cocksucker come into the league in the first year and win. I I feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope I win, too.